Welcome to the CFN Podcast. All right, what's going on, everybody? This is the CFN Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Campbell, and uh, it's been a while. Um, it's been a couple months. Things have been crazy uh, down here in South Carolina. I love it, but um, just trying to get back to the roots on the podcast here so I can provide you guys with some sort of valuable information. Um, today, uh, I wanted to go over a pretty sensitive topic to myself, Um as a director and having a staff of personal trainers and, you know, going through and interviewing and um, hiring and looking at resumes and stuff like that, uh, it can be challenging. Um, It's something I was never trained on. It's something that I knew was part of my job description, but it was a new experience. And from that, I kind of gathered some thoughts based on my old jobs and my own, or my old internships, sorry. and just stuff like that. So I thought a really good title and I guess topic for today uh, is going to be pretty much the best three qualities you could have as a new personal trainer, as a returning personal trainer, anything like that. And if you are a personal trainer and you're listening, uh, one of my friends that either work for O2 or have worked for me in the past, Um, or a strength coach that applies to both. So uh, you can put it either way, but if you are listening, if you are a trainer, um, I hope this helps. I hope this kind of clarifies anything. Maybe it'll change your way of thinking. Doesn't matter, okay? Um, People who do want to be a personal trainer, or maybe you just are listening right now just because you're killing time or something like that, uh, these are all good qualities just to have in general anyway, okay? So this kind of applies to everything. I don't know what the working title is going to be when I do post this to uh, publish, but that's what we're going to cover today. So we're going to cover the three best qualities that I feel like you could have as a new personal trainer or like an intermediate, even experienced personal trainer. It kind of fills all the voids here. So uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to start from three and go to one, least important to most important in my opinion, okay? I feel like it's always more fun that way so we can build some suspense, but Um, I do want to go over a couple things real quick. First, um, I just want to let you guys know that if my staff is listening, they are amazing, okay? They know all of these qualities, they have all of these qualities, and I probably wouldn't want to work with them or be interested in hiring them if they didn't express these qualities or display some sort of you know, motivation or work ethic that I deem as respectable. So, um, I want to say that first, everyone that I work with is amazing, and uh, let's get started, okay? So, guys, this is not going to be a podcast to talk shit, okay? I'm not talking shit here, but it's going to sound like it because I'm merely exposing dumb shit that people do as personal trainers or strength coaches, okay? It's going to sound like I'm talking smack, but I'm really not. I'm just exposing facts, okay, and true experiences that I've had and I've seen and witnessed, okay? So, I'm putting that on the table right now, all right? Personal training is not easy, 
It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of your own research and experience. And it takes a lot of mistakes, which people don't want to make, okay? It's easy to be convenient. It's easy to chase convenience behind our phones, computers, best friends, whatever, right? Um, but that's not the case. People think personal training is really easy. And I also thought that from the beginning, but it's really not, okay? So if you've never been a personal trainer, you don't know. And if you have been a personal trainer and thought it was easy, you probably weren't putting in enough work, okay? It's not always about the quantity. It's mostly about the quality, okay? That's what it is. And I'm going to go over all that, all right? We're going to break down three qualities, like I said, that can define a great personal trainer from a bad one. And obviously, uh, we're going to keep it from three first to one. All right, we're gonna build. We're gonna build that suspense that I feel like is so much cooler in my mind, but it's probably lame as shit to you. All right, but uh, let's go. We're gonna start with number three. All right, so number three, it's character, character building, character mindset, finding out who you are as a trainer. Because if you're just a trainer that's trying to follow the book, and I've worked with bosses and trainers who do that, you're gonna sound like a stupid computer. And I don't know why anyone would ever want to give you money, okay? Because you don't have a personality. No. First point I have here is presentation, okay? Look, I've worked in some pretty beat down gyms, all right? Butler High School is a great example. I think we used dumbbells that my dad used in the 80s. They had some corrosion holes in the dumbbells. And if I did cut myself on one, I would probably uh, get some sort of disease that maybe someone in the 80s did when they were using them, all right? but that doesn't matter. It's about presentation, all right? Luckily, I had my CFN gear that I could wear that was very professional. Um, it looked good, it was clean. I made sure I had it on all the time when I was doing strength and conditioning work. But working at a gym as a personal trainer, um, it doesn't matter how laid back the environment is, you need to dress clean, you need to be clean cut, okay? Um, I've always been a proponent of hats, as long as it doesn't interfere with coaching. So like wearing it over your face, um, where I can't see your eyes or anything like that, that doesn't really fly and it makes you look introverted and no one wants to approach you and talk to you, okay? That's just the flat out facts. If it is a laid back environment, um, be that person that stands out, okay? As weird as this sounds, the trainer that stands out the most, whether you're loud as shit, which I tell my trainers to be, okay? or you just like to wear certain things that make you unique, do it. It may end up getting you a book full of clients, okay? That's just how it goes. Uh, Fox Chapel High School was very professional. Although it was a high school, it was a high-end high school in Pittsburgh, all right? Some of you guys that do know Fox Chapel, you understand what I'm saying, but um, I always had to dress clean cut. Although it was a free internship before I got the job there, uh, I still made sure everything was clean, um, I looked good. I had every, all my notes prepared to go for the workouts. Although we were fortunate enough to have iPads that we could plug the workouts into, uh, we still had to make sure all of them were working, all of them were turned on, charged, ready to go for the day, and it was a long process, okay? And that all plays in the presentation. Um, at Butler, like I said, you know, it was shit, but I love it. I love the grunge gyms, and no matter how grungy the gym is, if you're working out, that's fine. But if you're coaching or your personal training in a grungy gym, look professional, okay? Um, it just looks better. It looks like people, you know, want to pay you to look professional. They want to pay you to be there and to be prepared and organized. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes, okay? 
Uh, if you do work at a gym or have to work at a gym where you have to wear a t-shirt uh, of the company or some sort of apparel, that's fine. Just make sure the rest of the outfit is clean cut too, you know? Uh, it, there's a difference between working at a place that you have to wear a t-shirt that says staff across the back of your shoulders and then wearing beat up gym shorts and beat up shoes that you cut the grass in. Um, that's a completely different look than wearing that staff shirt that might look boring or stupid but pairing it with professional looking clothes and maybe spending a little extra money on a nice pair of, you know, Nikes or Adidas, whatever you need to do um, to make sure you look organized and prepared for that session. It means a lot. And I've had a lot of clients tell me that that's what they look for. Okay. Why would they want to pay you if you can't even dress yourself in the morning? You know, so very important. Okay. If you can't take yourself seriously, then uh, I'm sorry, but no one should give your ass any money. That's just <laughs> that's just how it goes. It's very blunt. Uh, my morals are very black and white, so I'm I'm not afraid to tell people how it is. Um, that's just who I am. So uh, you have to be an open-minded person, all right. But you can still hold firm to your morals. That's how I am, especially what makes you happy. Uh, if something makes you happy, or you know maybe a client opposes what makes you happy, don't let it get to you. Just be like, yeah, okay, or laugh it off, whatever, and let them be themselves too. Because that's where you guys can create a good relationship is not always agreeing on everything, but agreeing to disagree, but still having that main goal in your, in, your, uh, in your mind, right? We still want it to be on the forefront of what you're trying to do in that half hour or hour session you have with them, all right? You have to understand the client perspective and you have to have empathy, okay? I've had clients that, you know, were learning how to walk again and the sessions seemed, you know, slow but amazing. Uh, because we made a lot of progress in those 30 minutes that we had together twice a week. And I've also had clients that, you know, came in and they were high school or college dudes that could already deadlift or squat, you know, hundreds of pounds. And they could skip all of that intro work. You know what I mean? Um, although it's important to get that intro and baseline work recorded, um, you have to kind of base that off, you know, after the first session or two to see what they can handle, what their capabilities are. That can be a whole different podcast, but you know, you have to find ways or maybe just follow the ways your gym has you going through those protocols when you first get introduced to a client. So you'll mostly find it out from there, but I'm telling you, if you can find what makes your clients happy with empathy and understand where they're coming from and not just sticking to your stupid agenda and your schedule um, and wanting their money, then, you know, the sessions get sweeter, the, I don't know, just the, the weird bond and friendship that you can create with people is insanely amazing. Um, and if you aren't a personal trainer, you just don't get it. That's why it's hard for me to explain, okay? It's kind of like that light bulb moment or that aha moment when people do something um, that they didn't think they could do, you know? It's kind of like that. So, uh, yeah, sometimes your agenda just doesn't matter. So you have to be okay with changing the workout based on the client's situation. If you can understand where they're coming from, you know, you may have a killer leg day planned and they may come in and be like, hey, CJ, you know, um, I hiked like 12 miles yesterday and it was all uphill and rocky and uh, my legs are shot. So can we not do legs today? And then you as the trainer, you know, if, if you're not prepared or you're not ready, to be able to switch things on a dime, then you've lost all of your organized um, 
your organized thoughts, your your backup plan, your everything, and it makes you look bad. So uh, of course, you know you can always fake it till you make it and say, oh yeah, of course that's fine. We'll do upper body today. But are you really capable of putting together a workout in two minutes while they're warming up? You know, and we're going to talk about that more soon. So you have to be okay with changing your workout based on a client situation. I think that shows a lot of character because if and I've seen trainers do this, they they go. Well, you know, I had a leg day prepared for you, so let's do it anyway, and we'll just see how you do. Well, no, they're oh, obviously they're going to do shit, and then when you write down their weights and you write down their reps and stuff, it's going to be completely different from what you might have had, you know, a week or two ago when you did that same workout or whatever their goal might be. Um, it just throws off the data. So, in my opinion, you know, it's easier just to do something different instead of forcing clients and do stuff. I think it shows a lot of good character when you're able to understand and change things on a dime. Um, and that just comes with experience. So you can't be narrow-minded, all right? You have to be able to adapt with empathy and understanding, all right? Don't be a dick, <laughs> okay? There's a time and a place for that, but most of the time there's not. Um, and there is a time and a place to push people to their limits, but it's not every day. All right. I really think part of building character is knowing when to back off and to put your foot on the gas. Like you have to understand that. If you don't care as much about that, I'm sorry to say this, but go be, you know, a I don't want to uh, I don't want to make this sound mean, but go to one of those classes where it's just get as much done as you can in 20 minutes regardless of how you feel or what you're coming into, right? We're there to do as much as we can in that 20 or 30 minutes, whether it's group fitness, CrossFit, whatever it may be. Um, and I know there's regressions and different, you know, ways to do the whatever you're trying to do just in like a more safer, um, in a safer way so you don't hurt yourself. But most of the time, like if you're into that stuff, like, hey, let's hit it and go. We got 20 minutes or 30 minutes. If that's your style, that's completely fine. But uh, that's not how it works with personal training. Okay, there's a lot more to it. Uh, your character will always be exposed by your actions. That's one of my favorite quotes. Um, I don't know where I saw it. I saw it when I was like 18 or 19. But uh, your character will always be exposed by your actions. Okay? Um, whether that's programming and data collection. You know, like, like I said, if you guys program a killer leg day and someone comes in and their legs are sore, are you going to put them through that workout? They're going to look at you like an asshole and think, well, I don't want to work with this guy if he's not going to listen to me. Why would anyone want to pay you? All right, that's a horrible judge of character. Um, and it's just something that, you know, a lot of people do and they don't consider because, again, they just want to get their agenda done and move on to the next client. So um, it screws up data, like I said. It also reflects your attitude. It really does. Uh, you're, when your character is exposed right? You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to the client. Maybe your staff will see you make decisions, you know? And if your actions don't follow what you're saying, then you just become hypocritical and no one trusts you. And then guess what? You don't get money because no one wants to work with you because they think you're just a, an egotistical liar and a hypocrite. That's what it boils down to, okay? So attitude is a lot of influence when you're making these decisions. And what we say, right? How we say it. It's easy to regurgitate information from a book, but how well are you able to tell someone, you know, and 
have those hard conversations about training with them and you know goals and things like that so your character and how you carry yourself will always be exposed by your actions even though what you say does play a little part in that all right you just want everything to be transparent and everything to line up that's just what you want okay um how you handle situations and this is a big one for me as a director having my own staff um, how we handle decisions really makes or breaks you know whether our staff even trust us right so uh, regardless of maybe how I feel or a staff member feels or another trainer feels about a situation, sometimes we still have to hold true. All right. Do you handle situations with humility and influence or do you handle them with authority? Right. Sometimes we have to make decisions as trainers and just people in general uh, with authority. We just have to. All right. Sometimes we do have to put the foot down. Sometimes we do have to say no. That's normal. But if you do that most of the time, instead of acting with humility and influence, you're going to lose people. You're going to lose clients. All right. How can you take a situation and spin it and make it positive enough to tell a client with humility and influence that maybe they're doing something wrong, but hey, here's how I'm going to help you to fix it. And here's the options we have, right? If you can do that, you kind of saved yourself. And if you start handling situations more like that instead of with authority just because you wear a stupid fucking t-shirt that your gym gave you saying that you're a personal trainer, um, you're going to be all right. But if you abuse that t-shirt and if you abuse that power of being on the staff, then you're garbage. Um, and you're just going to be looked at as a garbage person and a garbage trainer and very, you know... Um, I don't I don't know the word for it. <laughs> but you guys know what I mean, you know? Uh, no one's really going to believe you or want to work with you because you're always just making those authority decisions that just do not have any thought or empathy in them, okay? So, um, the next one, I don't really like the quote. There's a quote, you guys all know the quote, knowledge is power, right? And although knowledge is power, character is what gives you respect, Okay? Character is what gives you respect. And if you have character and you have that respect, it will play into the knowledge you already have. It just will. And it kind of creates this amazing flow of energy of just you learning and then putting it into your clients. You learning more, putting it back into your clients. That's how we go back and forth with answering questions with clients. So the more character you can show and the more integrity you can show and make decisions with, the more clients are going to trust you. And just people in general. Like I said, this applies to everyone and everything. Um, for me, you know, it will never matter how educated, um, ripped, lean, cool, or really talented you are. That shit really doesn't matter. It matters on social media where people only care about looks and social status. But in real life, you know, how you treat people and influence others will tell everyone everything they need to know about you. And <laughs> I kind of laugh when I say that because it's so true. It's so true. I've worked with guys that are just ripped, but they're horrible trainers because they only know how to train themselves. They're stuck in their ways that their football coach taught them in college how to lift, and they try to do that with a 50-year-old man who has a bad back and no hip mobility. You know, why? You just kind of sit there and think, why? Because that's what worked for them. And they only carry that ripped lean physique or how talented they think they are. But when you try to treat and influence clients, um, 
it just doesn't work. And that's what people see. And that's what will tell everyone everything they need to know about you. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I really think it can, that will, that exposure, I really believe will make or break your training career. I really do. Um, I've seen it happen and it's not pretty, but again, some things aren't just meant for people. Okay. Um, you want to, guys, please always choose authenticity and morality, um, based on what your client needs, not what you saw online. All right. It's easy for us to go on TikTok. It's easy for us to go on Instagram and just type in, you know, leg exercises and find some dumbass gym shark model um, doing stuff with glute bands that isn't even really doing anything. You know, it's easy to program that stuff and find that stuff because it's convenient. But you got to take the time and have those authentic conversations and be able to program what they actually need, not just what makes you feel comfortable when programming just to make you look like you're a great trainer and you're making them sweat. That's not the goal. And if that is your goal and if that's all you know, you got to look in the mirror. You just really do. Okay? I'm not saying that to be mean. <laughs> I'm not saying it to be mean, but I have just seen it too much um, in my short career in life so far that it's just too hard not to expose and talk about. It's a true thing. It's a real thing. And uh, if that's you it'd just be better off for you teaching classes, not really personal training. I'm sorry. All right. Um, you have to be okay with not knowing everything. Really. Stop trying to act like Superman. Okay. Um, need to be open-minded as trainers. And we are not miracle workers. I tell my clients that. I tell them straight up. Hey, I have you for an hour. But guess what? You have yourself for 23 extra hours in the day. I can't control what people do out there. I'm not a miracle worker. So having those tough conversations about how much is in the client's control is extremely important, okay? We need to work in the trenches of education and struggle with each and every client. Without that, you're not doing your job, okay? If you're not educating yourself on someone's medical issues, if you're not educating yourself on what you can do to help someone based off injuries they've had, if you're not working with them and trying to understand how their body moves and looking it up and taking that extra time, then you're not doing your job. Sure, you get paid. Sure, they think you're doing your job because, again, you're wearing the shirt and it says your gym name on it and, uh, you know, you try to be enthusiastic, which you should be, but sometimes enthusiasm gets clouded with just ignorance. And... Uh, the ability to not be able to program and have enough knowledge to actually work with your clients. And it may fake them out for a couple months, but when they stop seeing results or things keep hurting or anything like that, that's where the real issues come in for you, not them. Okay? And that's where you're going to lose money and that's where you're going to lose clients. So having those conversations with them saying that you're not miracle workers and that it's a, it's a give and take process, you know, when you tell people you're going to work in the trenches with them and learn as much as they can, or much as much as you can, sorry, um, to help them, that's where you're going to create that personal bond with them. And I know it sounds easy, me saying this right now on a microphone, but again, it's it's a lot harder to do in person because it's harder to say something to someone's face when you know they don't want to hear it, and then try to influence them with positive affirmations after that. You know, it's harder to do that in person than it is just talking into this microphone. It really is. So 
we need to work with education and we need to struggle with each and every client. You ought to feel it. You really do. It may be taxing and exhausting some days, but you still need to do it because eventually they're going to re-sign with you and that's just more money. <laughs> okay? Just between us, not the client, right? So uh, we're going to move on to number two, okay? Number two for me, uh, it's working for free and learning. You did, you did hear that right. It's working for free and listening. And if you don't think you need to work for free or if you're curling your nose right now or thinking, what the hell, CJ? Um, don't get into an industry where you need to make your own money, okay? Let me explain. Just because you have, all right, I'm going to take this from a school and work perspective, okay? Uh, just because you have a degree, whether it's an exercise science degree or a piece of paper from NASM or ACSM saying you're a personal trainer, um, it doesn't mean you're a good personal trainer or a strength coach in that matter. Um, in school, I had a lot of internship and job, job experience by the time I was a senior in college. Um, and it was just, it wasn't funny. It, <laughs> I shouldn't say funny, but it is just baffling um, how many kids with XI degrees or certifications before they get out of college even think they're the shit and they think they're Superman and they think they're a good personal trainer just because they earned a piece of paper. No, that's not how it works. All it shows, I'm going to be honest with you guys, all it really shows is that you understand knowledge about the industry and you understand, like, they don't actually teach you how to be a good personal trainer or be a good strength coach. They just teach you about information of the industry. They don't teach you how to understand it or program it or tell it to a client. They just want to push you through to get that piece of paper. And yes, you will have those. Look, I've had really good professors that I still keep in contact with today. Why? Because I chose to seek out those personal relationships and to dig deeper than what the lesson plan is that they're teaching for that 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes that day. If you're willing to do that and you can understand that they're actually good people and stuff like that, um, you're going to be all right. And I've learned a lot from some really good professors that I've had at school, but man, 80% of it is just a bunch of shit. It really is. Um, I value work more than I do school, um, skin in the game, experience, things like that. I really do. I don't know why. It's just me. Some of you guys might not agree, but you know, for me, that's just how it is. Um, all of those things do not teach you how to apply that knowledge appropriately to different people. Okay. It just doesn't. Um, so if you're sitting there thinking, how do we do this then? Well, let me tell you free work and internships. <laughs> that's what it is. I swear to God. Um, and anyone who has done a bunch of free work in their industry or a lot of internships or volunteer work, you know, and I can guarantee you those people listening right now that have done this, they will be the first ones to tell you that they've learned more doing that kind of stuff than they ever did doing a homework assignment or a research paper. Seriously. Um, but again, most of you refuse to do free work because it doesn't stroke your own ego or gives you money. That's a very immature way of thinking. Okay? You are not. Let me say this. You're not entitled to get paid for every job you get. The quicker you can understand that, the sweeter life is because then you're not going to give a shit what people think. You're just going to be there absorbing everything like a sponge and it's going to help you 20 years down the road. Trust me, I've done some stupid things at internships and volunteer sites that I thought was so dumb. But now being here in South Carolina on my own 
having my staff and things like that, it has, it has just completely changed my way of thinking. And uh, it's made me realize how much those stupid things you do for free actually impact other people, your decisions, your happiness, things like that. Okay. Since I was 18, guys, I'll be honest with you. Since I was 18, man, I did one internship per summer minimum. That's not something my mom told me to do. It's not something my friends told me to do. It's just something I thought would get me ahead or ahead of everyone else. And it did. I'm not afraid to say that on this microphone. Like it did. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail about that. All I'm going to say is it did. And on top of that, I had two other jobs during the summer. I worked pretty much three jobs every summer from the time I was 17 or 18 up until I graduated college and got my job here in South Carolina. That's what it is. Um, and sometimes that's what it takes. Am I saying that's for all of you? Maybe not. But I learned more in those internships than any college class did. I swear to God, guys, it really did. Um, you know, I learned a lot of coaching material and coaching cues and the correct way to approach things as a coach and trainer um, from an internship. You know, I did at Allegheny Health Network, you know, just learning how to handle general population and handle top end athletes. Um all the way to Union when I was a, a personal training contractor at Union in Pittsburgh. Great people. Um, I had a great manager, Curtis, taught me a lot about, you know, barbell uh, cues and just different ways to look at anatomy and stress and things like that that we put on the body. And he just opened an entire world of knowledge and perspective for me that I will never, ever, ever forget. The dude can deadlift like close to 900 pounds like a feather and put it down. Like, I don't, I don't really see a reason not to listen to him if he doesn't really get a lot of injuries and he's a great person, you know? I'm going to listen to that guy, not just people that are flaunting on TikTok and Instagram for likes. It's stupid, okay? Um, anyway, let's get back to it. Uh, when it comes to anatomical information, yes, we take anatomy classes. Yes, we take biomechanics, all that lovey-dovey bullshit. But if you cannot apply it and understand it to different shapes of people, then it, it basically it means nothing except for your piece of paper that you have when you graduate. That's all it really is. So uh, I think the more you can be under people that have worked with different anatomical situations, whether it's like sprint technique, um, squatting technique, doesn't really matter. Like it, it, it appeals to every population. It's so important to know because the more we can learn how muscles work, and move, the healthier and better off you're going to be in the long term, all right? So uh, anatomy classes and biomechanics only teach us so much. You have to go out and apply it and do free work and learn from the people who have been doing this stuff for years and decades, okay? That's the only way. It really is. Um, at Fox Chapel and Harlan's and uh, Butler Hockey, when I did those free work and internships before I started getting paid, I learned a lot about personal training. Um, from Harlan's different cues on how to spot women um, how it's so different from spotting men during certain exercises things like that those are lessons I will never ever forget and it just came from free work when I was 19 years old that's what it was okay um, school inserts don't teach you how to react they really don't whether it's programming you know um, like I've seen trainers that specialize really in group fitness certifications and then they try to program deadlifts like, what the hell are you doing? I'm not saying you can't learn that or don't have experience doing that. But, you know, 
why are you not asking or seeking out guidance from someone who does specialize in that stuff you know you would think it's common sense but again a lot of people want to look like superman and want to look like they have all the answers so they just do it anyway even though it's wrong and it's not i mean it it can be their fault but sometimes it's not sometimes they just don't have that information and then they're thrown into a situation with someone who has different goals than what they're used to or what their certifications say it's just about going out and seeking help guys especially with injuries you know um it's another big one too Are you able to take information about an injury that someone gives you and seek out education or guidance from someone else for free, you know? So, uh, yeah, it just angers me that a lot of people, for convenience sake, go look on Instagram and TikTok and look at these booty models and guys with six packs and big arms and stuff rather than going and understanding anatomical information on how the biceps work or how the, the glute medius works and how we can stimulate it and stretch it and strengthen it, stuff like that, you know? Um, It seems like a simple concept when I'm saying it, but it's really not, okay? Uh, Honestly, guys, I'm just gonna end with this. I would hire someone with more skin in the game than a master's degree, okay? It, it, (laughs) that's just how it is. Um, That's what I believe in. That's what I really, 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 really hone in on. Um, I would rather take someone with more work experience and be willing to learn than someone with just a long list of degrees that is just an asshole. So that's just how it is for me, okay? We're going to move on to number one. Oh, we're already at like 30 minutes here. Okay, let's move a little bit quicker. <laughs> but hey, number one, my biggest, my biggest one, and this is something that I'm constantly working at. It's something that I truly believe that will make or break your career, um, and that is listening and building your own knowledge for programming. Listening and building your own knowledge for programming. All right. Listening starts at the first point of contact when you meet someone. All right. Even though everyone wants to, I mean, guys, come on. How many of you trainers or anyone have came up to you and said, oh, they just want to tone or lose fat or build muscle, right? But are you actually, as a trainer, are you actually able to dig deeper into their mind as to why they truly want that? And if you think that's a stupid concept to think about, then you're actually wrong and your thinking is immature because that's what we actually have to do as trainers. We have to dig deeper. We have to find that core reason and concept why. And if you just blindly listen, you already failed at your job, okay? It's really hard to program for someone that just wants to lose fat and build muscle. What substance do you have after that? They might have told you, but you weren't listening, okay? That's why it's so important to listen to clients. Even if they have the dumbest goals and they can't explain it right, you know, that's okay. That's where you as the professional have to take your experience, which I hope you got from free work, internships, learning on your own, research papers, stuff like that, um, and be able to spin it and give them a positive answer and create that plan and that roadmap for them, okay? If you just blindly listen to them and say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll get you there, just wanting their money, you've already lost and you're a garbage person and a garbage trainer, okay? That's not what it's about. Are you actually able to have these heart-to-heart conversations with clients about what you believe they need versus what they want? Everyone wants bigger arms, but are you able to have that conversation to tell them that if they're 100 pounds that they need to start eating more? Because, hey, if you're a trainer and you're listening to this, Man, it's real easy to just destroy someone for an hour just doing arms, right? And yes, you will, you know, you'll go through hypertrophy and your arms may get a little bigger. But if you don't have that nutrition to back it up, you got nothing. 
And if you can't help these people, maybe, you know, and look, as trainers, we're legally not allowed to give out nutrition plans. That's a legal thing. Okay. You can get sued for that. I'm not going to go into detail. That's just how it is. But that doesn't mean you can't give advice. That doesn't mean, you know, you can't have them. Hey, why don't you write down what you eat for three days? We can take a look at it and maybe we can find what works for you and try to get more calories in. That way you can get bigger. You can fuel your body. You'll be in a caloric surplus and you'll be able to build muscle, right? Or if it's losing fat, hey, why don't you write down what you ate for the last three days? We'll see what you're eating, how you're eating, um, and we'll try to put you in that caloric deficit, you know? It's just about adjusting and advice. And if you aren't able or if you're scared to have those heart-to-heart conversations with clients about what you believe, like what you truly, truly believe you think they need versus what they just want, then don't do it. Don't be a personal trainer, okay? You have to be able to have those conversations, and then you have to have the anatomical knowledge to back up your claim while spinning it so the client understands, you know? Um, A lot of trainers probably don't do this because most mediocre trainers are just blinded by money. That's all it is. Yes, ooh, please give me that like $1,000. That way I can get my commissions, right? And then we can just add you to my schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, you want to lose fat? Okay, okay. You want to build muscle? Okay, uh, you know, okay, okay. So here's the package. What do you think? And then they buy it because they're either scared or they are just too excited and then they just give you money, right? And then mediocre trainers will just feed on that and go back to doing whatever they know how to do based on their narrow thinking and their narrow mindset, And then guess what? Now you just started a snowball. It may take months or years, but you just started a snowball of regression because now you're just doing what you want to do and what they want to do rather than what they actually need and what your advice and what your knowledge and what your experience and your data suggests. It's a real thing, guys. You have to do this, okay? PT is a game of mental and physical inches. That was told to me by a boss when I was 18 or 19, okay? PT, personal training, is a game of mental and physical inches. If you aren't willing to put full effort into taking care of every session, every single session, get out. Just get out. Save us the time, save your boss the time, save your client the time, and save your client the money. If you aren't willing to deal with client mental and emotional breakdowns, get out because it's going to happen, will, and you have to be able to handle those situations, and the only way to learn how to handle those situations is through putting yourself in those situations on purpose with free work and internships and seeing how your bosses handle it, watch how your mentors handle it, learn from failure, that's the only way you're going to be able to do it, is it a lot of work, yes, is it a lot of stress, yes, but if you want to be a good personal trainer, like you probably tell all your stupid friends on social media and things like that, then you might as well back it up. All right. If you consistently force clients to do things by your authority, you're garbage. Get out. You need to act with empathy. You need to act with kindness. And you need to act with understanding. You can still be stern in making decisions, but there's a time and a place. If you only act with authority and not influence, get out. All right. You have to listen. You have to listen to them. Okay. Sorry if you hear my papers. When trainers take that five extra minutes to listen, that's where the real progress is made. Not hitting a PR on bench or deadlifts, you know, 
not running a new mile time. That's not what it is. It is, I'm going to say this, please listen to this. It is more important to understand the blueprint that you and your client must constantly change, get them to that goal. It's more important to understand the blueprint, guys. It's constantly adjusting. It's constantly tweaking, but you have to do it. All right. That goes for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a trainer, even in the fitness industry, consistently change your game plan. It's always going to change no matter what. All right. The more active listening we do, the better programmers we become. It's just truth. And the better programmers we are, the better experience we provide, right? And guess what? What does that do? It creates resigns, idiot. <laughs> it gives us money. Uh, when you can start programming and active listening better and having that, you know, that good feedback, you know, if someone tells you, hey, uh, something with their knee or maybe they messed up their knee and you can't, you say, oh, okay, we're going to tweak the programming and we're going to work on some terminal knee extension, you know, blah, blah, blah. I could go on about this. And then a couple weeks down the road, you follow it back with, hey, remember a couple weeks ago when you told me your knee couldn't do this or you were having troubles doing this? Do you have any pain with that now? And they're like, oh my God, no, that's amazing. Thank you so much. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Okay. It's about revisiting feedback from your active listening, making notes on your programming sheets, stuff like that. Okay. Books in school don't teach you to listen. They just teach you robotic information to regurgitate, to make you sound knowledgeable. Let me say that again. Books in school do not teach you how to listen. They teach you robotic information to regurgitate, to make you sound knowledgeable. Congratulations, right? Being a good listener requires constant feedback and trial and error, like I said. You have to put in the work, guys. You just have to put in the fucking work. It's what it is, okay? There's no way around it. It's a hard lesson that I've learned many, many times <laughs> uh, over these past couple years, and it always comes back to it. It really does. Um, I've worked for people who only go by the book. Um, I've listened to people talk about only things by the book. And then you go back and you see their programming or you see how they handle situations. And it's very easily exposed. Not everyone will catch it. But the people that have put in time with the free work and have been humbled by other people, which I'm going to get into here, it exposes them. And it's kind of like that light bulb moment for you thinking, oh, shit, okay, like this is what it looks like. This is what exposure looks like. All right. Let's transition to the second part of number one, all right? That's working for your knowledge, okay? Most people don't want to do this, guys. They don't want to be told they're wrong because it makes them feel inferior uh, to their stockpiled bullshit ego that certifications and degrees build for them. It's easy. I could enroll in an online master's degree right now with exercise science and probably get it. I could. Does that make me smarter? Not really. Not really. Because if I still can't program and take the information I learned and be able to mold it and apply it with positive affirmations to clients and athletes, then it means nothing. Sure, it's a couple letters after your name, but what's the, what's the point of paying money for knowledge if you're not able to apply it correctly, you know? Um, that's how I see it. So, and look, I do know some people with a lot of certifications and degrees that are amazing, but again, they learn how to apply that information, not just use it for authority. Okay. Uh, my guys, my goal growing up was to find mentors, not role models. All right. Mentors that would break me down and break down all of my thinking and rewire me with perspective and useful information. 
I mean, for convenience, people only watch TikToks or read fluffy blog posts that only make them feel good, you know, or kind of fuel those certifications. Um, I've worked for seasoned veteran powerlifters. I've worked for professional strength coaches, and I've worked for competitive bodybuilders, every realm in the fitness industry you could think of, all right? Although my morals don't change, because those are black and white to me, my thinking and approach has. Just from breaking, from those guys breaking me down and building me back up, that's what it comes down to. Um, Curtis, my one manager in Pittsburgh, taught me a lot about deadlift cues and bench cues that I never even knew. I never even thought of. All right, I'm not going to go through them, but they're just something that I apply to clients and it helps them understand their own bodies. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I wouldn't have known it without him. All right, Frank from the Allegheny, Frank and the Allegheny Health Network team, they taught me a lot about sports performance and how to program. They just have. They taught me how to look at things differently, everything in that manner. It's amazing. I could go on and on, but I just don't have the time. All right. Even if you don't want to work in the field, experience and knowledge will never fail you. All right. Although reading research is very useful, the basics will always hold true. They just do. All right. Maybe it's a different way to think about it after reading research, but the basics always hold true. And all of these play into your programming. Okay. All of it, guys. Now, if you only program by what your degree or certification says to or tells you to, you will fail immensely. You will fail immensely. And I've seen it. Okay, I've seen it firsthand. Oh, well, that's what that certification told me to do. Or, hey, in school, they told me to do this. And then you kind of not be an asshole, but you kind of politely introduce a new way of thinking that you learned on your own from free work and experience and other jobs. And then you talk through that with them. And maybe it'll change their perspective. That's what you got to do. That's called active listening and providing feedback and engaging in new perspectives. All right. Narrow thinkers are failed thinkers. Bottom line. And not everyone can do certain things the same way. That's why we have to work in progressions and regressions. Something I learned at Allegheny Health Network. If you can learn how to do progressions and regressions, no one will ever really fail. Whether it's a squat, RDL, bench, not everyone can do the things the same. So if you're a trainer who just programs RDLs and doesn't know how to teach it right or knows how to regress it or progress it, then you failed, okay? You're not helping your client because now you're just being narrow-minded. If we don't expand our thought process and approach, we will fall into a toxic niche of clients. And most of us aren't at that level yet. Look, maybe like 10 years from now, I'll be at that level where I can only train one type of client but that's only because I built this mountain of just clients of different shapes and sizes and goals and everything like that. That should be the end goal to get to a point where you only want to train athletes or only want to train overweight people or only train people with disabilities. But for right now, most of us aren't there and we need to stop thinking we're there. All right. I'm guilty of that. Okay. With sports performance. So I'm not one to just sit here and preach to you guys. I actually experienced that. All right. Um, I've had bosses who don't care about programming whatsoever, um, and I just don't trust them. Programming is pretty much everything. Programming gets you resigns. It helps you be prepared and organized. It helps you have a game plan so you're not stressing out. It is everything. It's everything. Okay? You have to be organized. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know clear-cut what these people's goals are, and you have to be willing and able to adapt on the fly. That's what's going to help you. Okay? So those are my three things. I could go into those a lot more in detail. Let me know if you want me to. I would love to have private conversations with you guys, but it is 46 minutes and I hope I am not boring you. So if you're still listening at this point, um, thank you so much. All right, I'm gonna leave you guys with this message. 
All right, and then we're going to be done for the day. I'll be honest with you guys, after believing and working at these three qualities for years, um, it really feels disrespectful to the great mentors and coaches out there that I've had, and I'm sure other people have, that get undermined by just bullshit influencers and wannabes, you know, just because of likes and appearance. It's awful. Uh, if you truly, guys, if you truly, truly, truly want to be a great trainer or a coach, you have to be humble enough to find mentors that not just challenge your thought process and break you down, but help you mold that process into future great experiences for clients. Okay? It starts with free work. It starts with character building. It starts with listening. And it starts with giving feedback and building relationships with people, not money. The best coaches and trainers are the ones with many years of skin in the game, not the ones who flaunt their degrees and certifications for validation from others on social media. I'm going to leave you guys with that. Okay? Um, this is very important to me. I hope you guys enjoyed all of this. I hope if you're a personal trainer listening right now or want to be a personal trainer, uh, you kind of take these into consideration because the quicker you can develop and understand these concepts and the quicker you can go out and work for free, um, and the more you can sacrifice and the more time you can give up to be a better version of yourself and have that extra step on other trainers in your gym or have that extra step in people at your school, it's going to work out for you in the long run. You know, And although I'm here in South Carolina completely alone with no friends, I love what I do. And I love the people I've met. And I would not be here if it wasn't for all the free work that I've done and the stupid jobs that I've done that aren't stupid now. Of course, they built my resume, you know, so I could pad the stats a little bit. <laughs> but all of those free works and free internships and free jobs turned into experiences that most 23-year-olds will never, ever have. And I have. I'm not doing that to be cocky. I'm just doing it to show you guys that you have to put your face in the dirt and work and be humble and be broken down by people that are in the shoes that you want to be in. It has to happen. So once you release your ego and you understand how important sacrifice is, then you understand how happy you will be when someone looks at you and says that you did more for them than they have ever done in school or in a certification class. A man in his 40s that is a personal trainer told me that. I'm not going to say his name for privacy, but he told me that before Thanksgiving. He's a personal trainer in a different club, and he said in all of his years he's never learned more than he has with me, spending a weekend with me at our, our one convention thing we did, okay? It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm cocky. It's because we take the time to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good and for our clients. So if you're not willing to do that, you'll never be the personal trainer you think you'll be, really. I'm going to leave you guys with that. I love you guys so much. Thank you if you're still listening by now. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, it felt good to get back on the mic. I've been so busy and I just haven't had the motivation lately, but, um, I'm glad the fire under my ass kind of lit up today and uh, I could provide you guys with some sort of information. Thank you so much. I will see you on the next episode. Uh, have a great day and we will see you soon.